Welcome. I want to say a special hello to all of our campuses right now. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Also, we have people that watch all over the world. Thank you for watching us online. Thank you for being a part of Church Online, our largest campus. Thanks again for being with us. Let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Well, it's Valentine's weekend, and so I hope you guys did not forget. All right, I did warn you last week, so you can't get on me about that, but hopefully you were prepared for that. I hope you guys have a great Valentine's weekend, whether you are dating someone, whether you're married, whether you are single and just saying, God, could you please let next Valentine's Day be better? Okay, we get that. Either way, happy Valentine's weekend. Glad you guys are with us. And before you say you're doing like a relationship type thing, right? Well, in a, in a roundabout way, yes. And so this affects your relationships in a great way. In fact, there's three relationships in particular that we're going to touch on today that what I want to talk on will have a tremendous impact on. Today's message, please don't run out of the auditorium when you hear this or turn off the audio. I promise you it's going to be worth it. Today's message is actually called Be Generous. Now, let me tell you, before we dive into this, this may surprise you, but the fastest way to improve all of your relationships is to become a generous person. What does generosity mean? It means that you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on others. You're outward focused. And so I just want to touch on this today. And there are three things in particular, three groups of people that we need to learn to be generous with. And the first one, number one, if you're taking notes, is to be generous with God. This is the most obvious one, right? And so, and, and by the way, I'm going to talk about like the hardest one first, a little easier, and then a little easier after that. But being generous with God oftentimes is a touchy subject. Sometimes people flip out and go, well, here we go. The preacher's trying to fleece us. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get something to you because I believe that when you become generous, you become a river of resources that God flows through you to others. And so when you become generous to God, guess what? He becomes generous back to you. What does it mean to be generous to God? It means, first of all, to put his house first and also his mission and his kingdom work first. And so that's what it really means to be generous towards God. Let me show you a couple of scriptures on this. It says in Psalms 116, verse 12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? In other words, God, I want to be generous to you because you have been so good to me. Can we not all agree that God has been so good to us? Maybe right now you're sitting next to someone you love on your left or on your right or on both sides. You may say, man, I'm sitting next to my spouse, my kids. Maybe you're sitting next to a close friend. Aren't you grateful that God gave you those relationships? Maybe you're, you're thankful to be in the church you're in. Maybe you're thankful to be in the community, to have the job you have. Do you understand there are people who do not have jobs right now? Thank God in this last year that the Lord provided for you, even when things got a little touch and go, I bet you didn't miss a meal. God takes care of us. And so, Lord, we want to be generous to you because you, Lord, have been generous to us. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, David said this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be in a position to contribute this much? Indeed, everything comes from you and we have simply given back to you what is yours. And so God, I'm not giving something from myself to you. I'm giving something you've already given me. And so I want to give back to you. I want to honor you, Lord, because you have 
taking care of me, taking care of my family. You always look out for me. And so now there's what's called a minimum give. Malachi chapter three describes the minimum give, if you will, right? We know what the minimum wage is. It's, it's the least you can earn, right? Uh, according to the law, uh, wherever you work in, here in America, there's a minimum wage. There's also a minimum give in the Bible. It says in Malachi chapter three, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says this. He says, if you will bring one-tenth, 10% of your income to give to God's house, he calls that the storehouse, bring it to God's house. God says, I will open up a window of blessing and pour it upon you. Now, some of you right now are thinking, well, I'm sorry, um, I'm a little stunned right now, Pastor. Did you just say 10 percent of my income. That is a crazy amount of money. It may seem crazy to you. And so you may say, Pastor, I'm just doing the math on what we earn as a family. And 10 percent is a lot because we do pretty well. And so I understand that may be really scary. So let me help you with that. I'm going to pray for you so it's not so scary. Let me pray right now. Lord, I pray for my friend. I pray, Lord, that since they earn so much money, that 10 percent seems like too much. So Lord, I pray you lower their income to a level that they feel comfortable giving. Oh, see, isn't that funny? We don't really want that. We realize if, if 10% is a lot, it's, it's because God's blessed us with a lot. So the truth is, I hope that 10% is a massive amount of money for you to give. Why? Because it means God's blessing you in a massive way. And so the truth is, God is completely fair. 10% is 10%, whether you earn $10,000 a year, $50,000 a year, or $100,000 a year, or a million dollars a year. 10% is 10%. And I believe that when you trust God with that, he will bless you with the rest of the 90%. He says, I'll put a blessing on what's left rather than you living on a cursed 100. I'd rather live on a blessed 90. And God can do more with that. J.D. Rockefeller once said this. He said, I never would have been able to tie the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tied my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. And of course, you know, the Rockefeller family, they're doing all right. God's blessed him. And you say, well, I mean, if God blessed me with big money, I'd tithe too. No, he started tithing at $1.50 a week was his income. So that means you, you don't say, well, when I get rich, I'll start to tithe. No, you tithe and God will make you rich. Now, I'm not trying to say that once you start tithing, you become a multimillionaire. I'm not suggesting that. What I am saying is that when you tithe, God will bless you. And sure, there's different levels of blessings, of course, but the Lord really will bless you. He's blessed my family. Long before I was a pastor, I was tithing. Long before I was ever in the ministry, I grew up in a home that was, that was a tithing family. You know why tithing was never hard for me? It's because I watched my mom and dad do it all the time. In fact, the truth is if tithing is hard for you, if this concept really is, is a struggle for you, you say, man, Pastor, I'm gonna be honest, this is a real sticking point for me. It probably means your mom and dad didn't tithe. And so, because you grew up watching it, it just was something you did. It was a normal part of who you were. Wouldn't it be great if you jumped that next hoop spiritually? If you said, I'm going to take this next hurdle spiritually so that my kids just think it's normal to tithe. So you may be, it may be hard for you, but wouldn't it be a blessing if your kids grew up in a home that every day they just saw you tithe? That every time you got paid, you just tithe to the Lord. Then they'll do the same and their kids will do the same and their kids. Just imagine the impact you can make with all of that giving to the Lord. Mother Teresa said this. She said, if you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. Wow, what a line. I mean, that, that woman knew what she was talking about because she gave her whole life to the Lord's work. If you give what you do not need, it's not giving. 
It's just not really sacrifice. But if you say, Lord, I need this, I could really use this, but I'm going to give it to you anyways, that's what real sacrifice is. There's a true story about a guy named Del Tar. He was a missionary for 14 years in the Sahara Desert of West Africa. You talk about a dry place, literally. It's unbelievably dry. In fact, there's only a four-month window of moisture. I didn't say four months of rain, four months of moisture with a little bit of rain. And so that, the farmers know, is their season to plant and then to harvest. So that means that harvest has got to last eight more months, actually even longer, because you know, when, you're, when you're planting again, you're still living off last year's harvest. So think about that. So they're going like nine, 10, 11 months off of whatever harvest they get in. So it sounds really great when they first get the harvest, but when you're four or five or six months in, oftentimes you're running out of grain to, to, to eat on. And so you have to start to, to really be careful with it and just use just a little bit of the time. Well, there's a true story he tells, and as he said, this happens all the time, that they get down to those last few months and it never fails. A little boy will run into his dad in mom's room and say, mom, dad, mom, dad, I found some grain. I found some grain. Quick, dad, give it to mom so she can make some flour so she can cook it up for us so we can quit being hungry. Because it's not uncommon those last few months to literally hear babies crying because there's no food to give them. They're just giving them just enough to keep everyone alive. And so little boys run in to tell their daddy, 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 I found some grain. Can you cook it up? And daddy says, where'd you find that grain? Daddy, it was, in, it was in the back room. And he goes, put it back. Don't touch it. And oftentimes the father has tears in his eyes and he said, we can't eat that because if we eat that, we'll starve next year. You see, that grain is not for eating. That grain is for sowing. It's for planting so we can have a future harvest. And so it's very common in the Sahara Desert when, plant, when farmers go to plant, they will literally with tears in their eyes, be throwing out the grain to plant it so that they can have a harvest when they want to eat it so bad, but they have to have the vision, no, no, we want a harvest. I want to challenge you with this. It's easy to talk about giving when things are going good, when the economy's booming, when, when money's flowing. But will you sow into God's work when you'd really like to eat that grain? When you'd really like to use that yourself, will you say, God, I want to learn to sow in tears. Even when it hurts, I want to sacrifice for your work to happen, to do it your way. A truly generous person is a person who will sacrifice, who will live on less so that they can make a difference and so they can have a harvest knowing that they're changing lives. So I want to challenge you, don't consume everything God's given you. Sow even when it hurts. You want to improve your relationship with God tremendously? Be generous. You know why? You're no more like God than when you give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Talk about the very character of God. When you give to the Lord, you're demonstrating that you really are living a God-fearing, godly life. So I want to challenge you, be generous with God. Now, the second area I want to challenge you to be generous will have a massive improvement in all your relationships. I want to challenge you to be generous with others. And so now you may say, well, I mean, it's Valentine's Day. That means like to buy gifts and, you know, get something. Well, that's great. I think you should do that. But um, can we just be honest? Like, I, I want you to have a great Valentine's Day. But guys, it's kind of expected. Like if you show up and you're like have flowers and candy and, and, and go out, and that's good. You should do that. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not blowing it off. You should do that and make a great evening of it. Make a great, a great weekend of Valentine's. I think it's awesome. You should do all that and more but it's kind of normal. I mean, it's kind of what you do, right? 
But why don't you do this? Shoot out in your calendar about six weeks from now and just put on your calendar, buy flowers. You know, bring home some candies, do something nice, get dressed up and go out. And then when you come home, when you bring flowers home, when your wife says, what's this for? And you say, because it's Tuesday and I love you and I just thought of you. Now that's over the above, isn't it? Like that's being generous. That's not expected. You didn't see that coming. So to be generous is to go over the top. Look what it says in Proverbs 11. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love the word refreshed. You know, when you, when you take a drink of something, it's refreshing. Ah, right? Like you drink something and you're just, maybe you're famished. You've been working out in the yard. Maybe you went jogging. And so you grab that Gatorade, you down it, and you're like, oh, those electrolytes hit your body. You just feel better. You're like, whew, I needed that. You know, one of the greatest things you can do to be generous towards others is, is to refresh them. Here's what I mean by that. What do they need? Give them that. And here, here's what I mean by that. Everyone receives love best in a different way. So if you really want to love someone, ask them what they need. And so here's a little line I want to give you that, you could really, that could really help you. Just, just ask this line for, for someone that you love. It could be a child you love. It could be a spouse. It could be a friend. Ask this question. Say, what does filling up your love tank look like? What does filling up your love tank look like? Hey, sweetie, I want you to have a full love tank. I want you to feel a lot of love from me. What would I need to do to fill your love tank? In other words, don't do what you think they like. Do what they actually like. And so, for example, I like giving gifts because I'm a gifts guy. I like to receive gifts, right? So my natural inclination is to go buy my wife a gift. She doesn't care about that. I finally figured out that she really doesn't want a gift. What she wants me to do is serve her somehow. So if I actually clean the room, do the laundry, get her car washed, help out with the kids somehow, those are the things that she appreciates. So she doesn't really care much about stuff. You know, that just looks like stuff to her. To me, if you give me a gift, I'm like, oh, you thought of me and it's custom designed for me. Like, in other words, you, you, you know what I like. And so that gifts mean a lot to me, but because it means a lot to me, it doesn't mean anything else to her. So you gotta, you gotta give love at, at the point that they receive it best. So what fills their love tank? And the best way to know that is to ask them. And so every time Valentine's Day comes around, I, I say to my wife, what would you like for Valentine's? So I just get her what she wants. What do you want for Christmas? What would you like for your birthday? Now, some of you think, oh, it's not as cool because, you know, I want you just to know. Well, none of us just know what the other person wants. So that sounds nice, like a romantic notion, but the truth is that's a great way to have a major swing and a miss. So just ask them, what would you like? And make sure that you fill that love tank, give them what they want, whatever that happens to be. Maybe they say, I don't want anything. I just want your time. I just want to be with you. Maybe they say, I just want you to tell me you still think I'm attractive. I still want to feel like I've got it with you, right? What is it that fills your love tank? And communicate that to the ones you love and then ask them, what do I need to do to fill your love tank? It's, it's a game changer, I promise. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty five in the New Century Version, it says, whoever gives to others will get richer. Those who help others will themselves be helped. And so just be a help. One of the best ways you can show love towards your friends is just to help them out. If, there's, if you see someone having some kind of struggle, is there a way you can help them? Then help them out. Do you know the Bible says, like, if you have two of something, give one away. And so just, just think about that. You know, if, you, if you're, maybe you're a couple and, and, and uh, you've been married a while and you actually have a glut of furniture in your house, is there a young couple that could use some furniture? Then give them some furniture. Say, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to replace our table. You want this old one? Or better yet, can we buy you a new table? Like, help them out. 
don't you remember all the things that you couldn't afford when you first got married? You know, just think about things like that. One of my favorite things that, that I've seen people do all the time at our church, by the way, speaking of being generous towards God and others, I don't know if you know this, it's kind of a thing in our church. People donate their cars before they trade them in and only get three or four car payments out of it anyways. They'll donate their car to God, get the write-off, which is nice, of course. It's not why you do it, but it's a nice write-off. And then we take that car and we will circulate to someone who needs it. And so if you say, hey, you know what? I got a car. The old jalopy that you're done with is someone else's miracle. I promise you. I bet by the end of this weekend, someone's going to give a car to the church and you will be a blessing to some single mom or college student or someone who's just hurting. I promise you, you have no idea how many times Church Unlimited receives a vehicle and gives it back out to someone else. And so it's a great thing. Now, if you give us a Ferrari, I'm going to sell it and we're going to get some good money for it and use it in ministry, okay? <laughs> but if you give us a car of a good, decent value that's got a little bit of miles left, we're going to give that to someone who could really use it. Because just remember, the car that you're done with is someone else's miracle, I promise you. That's just one example. But there's a lot of things you can be doing for other people. So I want to challenge you, be generous with others. And guess what? It always comes back around. Hey, guys, can I tell you something? Don't tell anyone this, guys, okay? All the married men out there, be generous to your wives. Figure out what she likes and do those things for her. For her, It'll come back to you, I promise. And so just get your eyes off yourself and be generous towards her. Now, one other area that I want to mention that we need to learn to be generous in. We need to learn to be generous in being patient with one another as well. That's a generosity. That's a gift you give someone when you're patient with someone who's being annoying to you, bothering you, who's offended you. That's actually a gift you're giving them because I promise you, you've also annoyed people, offended them, bothered them. And so you may not even realize it because they may, may have been generous to you and given you the benefit of the doubt. Let me show you a scripture on this. In Colossians 3, verse 12, it says this, you were always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, that means you're set apart, you're different. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. God has been patient with you. Be patient with others. Can I give you a little help on this real quick? Every one of us is an ATM machine. Now, I'm a father of teenagers, so I literally feel like an ATM machine. So, but setting that aside, it's really true that we all are an ATM machine. Here's what I mean by that. You're basically a bank account. And here's what I mean. I'm either making a deposit in you or a withdrawal in you. Let me tell you why this is important. Have you ever had to go talk to someone, like have a serious talk with someone? Maybe someone you need to have a talk with, but you haven't yet. Or maybe you, you had a serious talk with one of your kids or your spouse, or a coworker, or someone at church, or a good friend, and when you talk, you felt like they overreacted. You're like, man, I brought up one thing, and needs you to change, and you flip out on me. I mean, what's the deal? You just went nuts. Could it be that they went crazy because you thought, all I did was ask you one thing. I mean, all I did was take a dollar out of the account. Yeah, but the account had 88 cents in it. So that one comment just bankrupted your trust, just bankrupted your relationship. Here's the point. If you don't regularly make deposits into someone by encouraging them, building them up, letting you know that you believe in them, that you love and that you care for them, if you don't regularly do that, then you have no right to criticize them, 
to have a hard talk with him. Because if you do that, even you say, well, I, I'm their boss. Just because you have legal authority to have a hard conversation doesn't mean it's going to go well. I mean, you can be their boss until they quit you and move on and find another, another job. So my point is this, is if you'll begin to make regular deposits in people, then when you do need to say, hey, I want you to work on this. Hey, I need you to change this. Or, hey, this really bothered me when you said or did this. And you have to take something out. You have to make a withdrawal. There's enough credit in their account of trust that they'll receive it well from you. So the next time you get upset thinking, I don't know why they just flipped out on me. All I did was have a simple talk with them. It's actually giving you a way that you've not been making any deposits. Or has this ever happened to you with your real bank account? You thought you had more than you really had? That can happen in our relationships. So you thought it was better off than it was. And then you had that one comment and they just seemed to have lost it. It's because you thought the account was full, but they've been thinking the account's empty. So be generous with your words. Be generous with your patience. Be generous with your encouragement. And then when you do need to have that hard talk, they know they're loved. They know you've got their back and they'll receive it a lot better. So you can keep it up with me. I want to challenge you to be generous with God because that'll improve your relationship with him and also be generous with others. It'll improve your relationship with others as well. You say, well, this is Valentine's weekend. I thought this was supposed to be about, you know, making my relationship awesome. If you'd be generous, guess what? Your relationship would be awesome. But I need to warn you about something too, by the way. Generosity is not a one-time thing. Some of the guys right now are thinking, well, I got her flowers and candy and I don't know, what's the deal, man? She's, she's still not being cool to me. Like, what's the deal? Well, could this be the first thing you've done in a very long time? Then it's not going to be trusted. And so again, I want to remind you, it's the regular deposits that make you rich. If you regularly deposit money in your savings account, that's how you get rich. If you make regular deposits in your marriage, that makes for a rich marriage. If you make regularly regular positive comments, regular encouragement, if you regularly do things for someone else, then guess what? You'll have a strong relationship. But you can't expect to be running on empty and to throw a little dollar in there and wonder why isn't it this awesome? It doesn't work like that. So generosity takes a season, a season of loving and encouraging someone. But if you'll do that, you can turn your friendship, your relationship, your marriage, you can turn things around between you and a coworker or whoever it is that you care for that you'd like to see something different. Start to pour into that relationship if you want to get something out of it. I promise you it's a game changer. Mark 6, 34 says this, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus looked at people. When he saw people, he saw compassion. So I want to encourage you, when you see people, See through what they're wearing, see through what they're saying or doing or not saying or not doing and see the need there. If we have compassion on people, then that's the very heart of Jesus. Don't just see your teenager disobeying. You see a young person that's trying to figure out who they are. Don't just see someone who's late to work and giving you a bad attitude. See someone who's obviously having a hard time at home. Don't just see someone who's being rude to you and cutting in line see someone who's probably had people be rude to them and hurt them. And so hurt people tend to hurt people. In other words, see people like Jesus did with the eyes of compassion. And the last person that I want you to be generous towards today is you. Be generous towards yourself. You think, well, what's that about? Actually, here's one thing I've discovered. We are hardest on ourselves. We are brutal. We look in the mirror and we say, man, you're fat. 
Oh, you're ugly. Oh, you're just so old. You're so out of shape. What in the world? I and mean, we just, we would never walk up to someone else and say that, but we'll say it to ourselves, you look like a dork. You look like an idiot. I mean, we're, oh, that was so stupid what you said. We would never talk like that to someone else. But yet we say those kind of things to ourselves all the time. And then we wonder why we lack confidence. Studies have proven that up to 80% of the things we say internally, internal self-talk is negative. We're always cutting ourselves down. And then we wonder why we're lacking confidence. I want to challenge you to do the exact opposite. Instead, start to build yourself up. There's a couple of scriptures on this. Here's one. Romans chapter 8 says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I love how it says there's, there's now no condemnation. What does that mean? You know when you need no condemnation? Now. <laughs> not tomorrow, not yesterday. You need it today, don't you? You're like, I could really use knowing that I'm not condemned, that someone's not going to point their finger at me and go, you said this and you did that and I can't believe you. That's what condemnation looks like. But God says, no, no, in Christ, there's no condemnation, which means, you know what? I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you a break today, right now. You're good. It's okay. You say, but pastor, I, I really blew it. You don't think God knows that? You don't think Jesus knew that when he went to the cross? That's why he went. He went to pay the price for all of our sins. And so, and for you to condemn yourself over something you did or something you're struggling with, when you do that to yourself, you're not understanding the cross. When you feel guilty and feel bad about the things of yesterday and you're always beating yourself up, what you're actually saying to God is, you know what? Your cross wasn't enough. And that's just not true. The cross is enough. There is now no condemnation in Christ. In fact, look what God says about you. Check this out. Psalms 139.14 says, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. Next time you look in the mirror, just kind of fix your collar, look and say, you know what? What you've done is wonderful. You made me amazing. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, wait, did God take off the day I was made? I mean, surely he was on vacation. He wasn't paying attention. Like, there's no way, Bill, you understand. You, you don't know how short I am, how fat I am, how, how funny looking I am, how my ears stick out. You don't know about this word I've got. I don't know what it is you've got that you don't like about yourself, but all of us have something. I want to challenge you to get over that because here's what I want you to know. You're made in the image of God. And because God made you, he made you in his image, he's proud of you. He thinks you're amazing. So I just want to encourage you, ladies, he thinks you're beautiful just like you are. You don't need to go to the White Watchers for him to think you're beautiful. He already thinks you're beautiful. Men, he already thinks you're strong because he made you strong. I just want to encourage you, we, we beat ourselves up way too much. Now there's no condemnation. In fact, here's what I really want you to know today. We have a hard time in our comparison world that we live in today, where everyone's looking at their phones and comparing themselves to someone's Instagram, you know, um, all the filters. We're looking at someone else's filtered life and we're looking at our life unfiltered. So we're never going to be able to look as good as other people look based upon that. And even the pictures we put out, we make ourselves look so much better than we regularly do. And so then we feel like we're lying. We're, we're kind of a sham, not really showing who we are. Other people are doing the same thing. And so there's this whole comparison game going on. It's really unrealistic. Then you add the fact that we all in our culture, we celebrate success so much. And I love success as much as anyone. But if I compare myself to Tom Brady, I'm going to fall short. I mean, literally short. I think he's about 6'5", right? He's in incredible shape. Seven Super Bowls. I mean, the guy, there's no way. I can't compete, right? But, but I just want to encourage you that, that NFL players can't compete with Tom Brady. Like, if you're comparing your basketball game to LeBron James, 
NBA players typically can't compete with LeBron James. We always find the best of the best in one category and compare our lives to them, and that will just leave you so depressed. I want to give you a line that I want, want to challenge you to say to yourself. Here, here's the line. Here it is. You need to say this to yourself. I am enough. I'm enough. I'm enough just like I am. With or without a degree, I'm enough. With or without accolades, I'm enough. With or without followers, I'm enough. With or without the promotion or the raise, I'm enough. With or without the new car, I'm enough. Single or married, I'm enough. I want to encourage you that God made you and he's proud of you. He loves you. He's got your picture in his wallet and he's showing all the angels. Look, there's my kid right there. Look at him. So proud of them. He loves you. You are more than enough. Be generous to yourself. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. We've all done stuff that we're not proud of. We've all said things we're not proud of. Maybe this is a tough season for you. You're still enough. We beat ourselves up when God thinks you really are enough. I want to read something to you. It's Proverbs 31. And now before all the ladies in the room go, oh, this lady is so impossible. Here we go. Proverbs 31 woman. I know she's so perfect. Whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, Proverbs 31 was written by Solomon. Actually, many believe it was Solomon's mother who wrote this. And that was Bathsheba who cheated on her husband with David and got pregnant with Solomon. So this is a woman who had a past, who was a part of one of the greatest scandals in all of Israel's history. And yet this is what she writes about herself and about other women. And so this is not coming from some perfectly lived life. In fact, this is God speaking to women. Yes, Proverbs 31 woman is something to shoot for. But God always speaks to us as we can be, not just as we are. So keep that in mind. But actually, I want to I tell you something about the Proverbs 31 woman. The very first line says this, from Proverbs 31, verse 10, it says, a bride of noble character who can find. Let me tell you why that's a big deal. It says a wife or a bride of noble character. You know what we are called as Christians? We're the bride of Christ. Because of that, I want to give you a, a different framing of Proverbs 31. I want to read this to you. As not the husband speaking about his wife, the Proverbs 31 woman, but as God speaking about his bride, you. You and me are the bride of Christ. So I rephrased it to be God speaking to you. Now listen to what God thinks about you. Listen very carefully. A bride of noble character who can find you are worth far more than rubies. God has full confidence in you and you lack nothing. You bring him good, not harm, all the days of your life. You select wool and flax and work with eager hands. You are like the merchant ships bringing your food from afar. You get up while it is still night. You provide food for your family and portions for your servants. You consider a field and buy it. Out of your earnings, you plant a vineyard. You set about your work vigorously. Your arms are strong for your tasks. Doesn't that make you feel good? You see that your trading is profitable and your lamp does not go out at night. In your hand, you hold the distaff and grasp the spindle with your fingers. You open your arms to the poor and extend your hands to the needy. When it snows, you have no fear for your household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. 
You make coverings for your bed. You are clothed in fine linen and purple. God is respected at the city gates where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. You make linen garments and sell them and supply the merchants with sashes. You are clothed with strength and dignity. You can laugh at the days to come. You speak with wisdom and faithful instruction is on your tongue. You watch over the affairs of your household and do not eat the bread of idleness. Your children arise and call you blessed. God also, he praises you. Many people do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptful and beauty is fleeting, but a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. We honor you for all that your hands have done and let your works bring you praise at the city gate or at the gate of heaven. God says, your hands are strong. God says, you were all that. You were more than enough. Give yourself a break. God thinks a whole lot about you. He thinks you're so worth something that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. You are so valuable, he sent his son to give his life for you. Have you received him? Have you received Christ to be your Lord and your Savior? Why don't you be incredibly generous to yourself and receive God's generosity? For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have eternal life. You can pray and you can receive Christ right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? We're gonna bow our heads right now across all of our campuses. Maybe you're watching online right now. Right now, just bow your head. You can pray and receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now. See, heaven is a place of total perfection. So you either gotta be perfect to get in, which I'm not, and neither are you, or you have to receive the one who is perfect, Jesus. So receive him right now. Pray this prayer with me. You can just say this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around. All of our campuses right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you just let me know by raising your hand high? We just wanna pray for you right now. Just hold your hand high. I see that hand out at Padre Island. I see that hand at Rockport. Just hold your hand high there at Stone Oak, at Rod Field. Hold your hand high here at Broadcast. Those of you who are online, you can actually type into the, into the text. You can say, holding my hand up, raising my hand, or you can click on our platform and say, hand raised. Just let us know. Hold that hand high. We thank God for you that you just received Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Hold that hand high. We just want to pray for you. Thank God. You are now a Christian. You are now a part of the family of God. Praise God for that decision you made. Hold that hand high. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands all the way in the back. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand in the front. Yep. Hold your hand high. We see that hand. That young lady. Yep. That older man in the back. Yep. Keep that hand high. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. You put your hands down. Those of you who have already received Christ, maybe today you've been stingy. You've held back in giving to God and you realize, Lord, I don't want to live cursed. I want to live blessed. I want to give to you. Or maybe you've been stingy in your relationships. You tried to make it about you and fighting for your rights and you should treat me better and you should do this. Right? And saying, wait a minute, I need to give out what I want to receive. 
Maybe you've been stingy in your relationships. Or maybe you've been stingy with yourself, never giving yourself a break, never forgiving yourself for your past indiscretions, never, never giving yourself the benefit of the doubt. I want to encourage you to be generous with God, with each other, and with yourself. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that we can live generous lives so that we can have a rich relationship with you, with others, and with ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.